as we sort of take a deep breath after a time of worshiping God and song and, and communion, knowing that our, our hearts are right with our holy God, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. We will be through multiple scriptures this morning, as always. But have your Bibles ready to go. Just a reminder, uh, as we are in this series of Rooted, if you signed up you, and you said, I need a book, it's out in the lobby. Just grab it afterwards. If you need to pay for it, pay for it. Uh, you know, I could ask you how your memory verse is going. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Um, hopefully you are, if you can't, if you're having a hard time memorizing, at least read it on a daily basis. Um, challenge yourself. But as you read, um, take a moment to share with another person in a small group. And some of you have been saying, hey, are there small groups to plug into? And I'm, I'm going to say this, yes and no. There are some small groups that are meeting, but they've got maybe a Bible study related curriculum that they're already going through. Um, and obviously then there's obviously other groups that are, are not meeting. We've had small groups in the past. They come and go. We call them seasonal. As they get going, um, they, after their six, seven, eight weeks, they sort of fade out into the next thing, and uh, they, they do well. But I tell you, it takes a lot of effort and commitment to continue to keep these small groups meeting. For that reason, uh, what I'm aiming for and what I'm trying to encourage you is, is I'm going to call it organically initiated small groups. What I mean by that is it's, you're just naturally meeting with people. Um, if maybe you already have a group of people you hang out with, you serve uh, together. Maybe you work together. Maybe it's just your own family at home. Maybe it's a group that meets at a coffee shop. And while you're sitting around, hey, what did you discover and rooted this week? What have you been learning? While you're doing those few things, just take a few minutes to share. Uh, in the devotional reading, there's questions to ask at the end. Bring up one thing. If it's just a, a couple minutes, that's fine. I'm not asking you to take a deeper dive like we're going to take a two-hour study with our small group. What I'm suggesting is as we meet here Sunday and we, we dig into God's Word and then through the week your additional reading, add that by sharing with one another, whoever it may be. Um, it's going to take a little extra effort, I understand, but I think in connecting with others will be very beneficial. So last week we, uh, we talked about our spiritual foundation, the good news, it's the gospel. Um, my question is, what more after last week did you discover? about God, about His Son, Jesus Christ, about sin. Uh, it's funny because Sunday night, last night, I got a phone call from Jim Kretz. He sends me a text, says, hey, uh, is it okay if I call you? I know it's late. And it's like, yeah, it's 10 o'clock, sure, give me a call. Um, he would, I think their family had been camping, but he had watched online. And he said, hey, just following up after this morning, um, he goes, I, I got a call. I've got a couple people that have called me and say, hey, tell me about Jesus. They want to know more about Jesus. And, and Jim's like, you know, here's the thing. I don't live this squeaky, clean Christian life. I'm not a polished evangelist. But for some reason, these people felt they needed to ask me about God. Who am I to tell them about God? And so our conversation was sort of, if you're a child of God, you're qualified to tell the people about, about uh, who God is and about his son, Jesus Christ. He was concerned that maybe he messed up in sharing his faith. Like, did I say the right things? Um, and, you know, he wasn't worried about, like, getting attention. He was like, I just want to make sure I didn't say the wrong thing. Um, what are the odds that after Sunday morning, talking about the gospel, that I get a phone call Sunday night about the gospel? See, what I'm saying is, 
as we dig through this together, you're going to have some shared experiences. And I feel, you know, I would say this, feel free to share those with myself and others. I got another text message um, from Gail Rowe. And uh, she just said, Rex, thank you that we're, as a church, we're going through Rooted. It's like, well, don't thank me. I talked to uh, Karen Chumchall. She'd shown me this book. It was the same book that my son Colin and his wife Olivia had gone through in their church. And I looked through it and I thought, you know, I prayed about it, like, this is maybe where we need to go. So it wasn't like I decided something else. God orchestrated other people to bring this about. But you're welcome, Gail. Uh, why? What's going on? And, and she shared with me. And I said, you ought to share that with the church. And um, she said, uh, no. I said, okay, that's fine. I get a text message a few minutes later. I said, I sent you a video. So uh, let's watch. This week, I sent a text message to Pastor Rex just to let him know how much I'm appreciating the journey through Rooted. Or should I refer to it in its Swahili name, Azizi? He then texted back and asked me if I would be willing to share some of my thoughts with our church family. So here I am. This is not my comfort zone, but... Here we go. I love seeing young families in our church. I love seeing the little children sitting next to their parents, knowing that they are gaining a firm foundation in Christianity. Some church members weren't raised in a Christian home. They didn't learn of the faith, love, and the reason for our hope. What a wonderful experience rooted will be for those families. Many of us were fortunate to be raised in a Christian home, but we desperately needed to be reminded every day of the core of our beliefs, how pure and simple God's grace is, why we need it, yet how often do we lose sight of this in our everyday crazy lives? On day four, what went wrong? We learned about sin. It was especially impactful for me. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer in April, it turned our family's life literally upside down. I was going to be facing an entire year of harsh chemotherapy treatments, immunotherapy, surgeries, and possibly radiation. And because my particular cancer is rare and the recurrence rate is high, it wasn't going to be enough to kill this cancer. We were going to have to keep it dead. People have asked me, do you ask why me? No, I never asked that. My reply usually was, why not me? But I admit, I do sometimes wonder why. Why cancer for anyone? Well, like Dave Ford discussed, sin affects us and the world around us. It affects everything that we live with. It comes in the form of life struggles, opposition, and sickness, like cancer. Did I get this cancer just because? Was it caused by toxins in our environment, the food I was eating? What about all the diet Pepsi I drank, knowing that it was not good for me? Did you hear that, Ryan? Or could it be my sin? Have I not been prioritizing God in my relationship with him? Have I not been seeking him out frequently in his will for my life every single day as I should? I believe we can all ask ourselves these questions. If, that, if that's the answer to my why, it sure works. While going through this year of cancer, I need to be gazing into the face of God. That's the only place I need to have my focus. And believe me, he has never let me down. Whenever I seek him along this journey, he has been so, so faithful. 
I believe Rooted will be life-starting for some in our church, life-changing for others, and for perhaps some, life-saving. I definitely believe it will be church-strengthening as well. Our church needs growing deep roots to keep us impactful and alive and to be able to disciple new believers, to impact our families and our communities. The last entry this week, we learned about the persecution of Christians in Uganda. And yet, during this persecution, the church actually grew. How? We read, the brethren survived on mutual encouragement, prayer, praise, and knowing that suffering for Christ is not a loss, but an opportunity to show their captors that God still cares, even in the midst of unbelievable suffering. This, to me, is how we at True North will survive, grow, flourish, and be able to go be the church to those around us. I believe that our journey through Rooted will be an impetus for incredible change and growth. Good pick, Pastor Rex. I really appreciated Gail taking time to do that. Um, she didn't have to, but she felt compelled. So it's like, let's share it. And I hope to see more testimonies from many of you throughout these next uh, seven, eight weeks as we continue this journey together through Rudin. And I would, I would point Gail and I would point many of us to last week's memory verse, which was Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin and death. We've been freed from sin and death. We belong to Jesus. We're no longer condemned for our sins. He, he paid that price. Our foundation for being firmly rooted is in the gospel, and that is the good news. Would you repeat after me? You see it on the screen. Repeat after me. God loves me. Sin separates me. Jesus rescues me. I believe this. That's the gospel. And I hope and pray that these four statements are true for each and every one of you. We, we are rescued by Jesus. We have a new relationship with him. But like any relationship, we have to spend time together to grow in that relationship. We, we aren't rescued by Jesus and then abandoned. We're, we're adopted into God's family. As a member of the family, we learn to do the one another's. Pray for one another, forgive one another, be kind to one another. That's part of being in the family of God. Family dynamics are obviously uh, different for everyone. Um, we say we're family, and that should bring pleasant thoughts, but unfortunately, sometimes you say family, and some people have negative thoughts or unpleasant thoughts. I heard a coach say just last year, I was working with this team, and we would break huddles. And sometimes we'd be like, family on three, one, two, three, family. And we all shout it together. We'd break with a word. I was going to break the word family, but the coach said, we don't, we don't use the word family. I was like, how come? Well, a lot of these kids come from broken homes. So when we say family, it's, just, it's a negative thing for them. And I thought, how sad. I, I understand where that coach was going with that. But family is a beautiful thing. And I understand sin has broken many families. But just because it's broken doesn't mean we turn away from using that word. Family is important. 
And this is the family of God. And we need to have a relationship with one another and with our Heavenly Father. In your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Like I said, we'll be in various places. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, just directed to that verse, it says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Did, did you see that last sentence? This was God's idea. This was God's plan. It's like, hey, I, you know, I want to do this. You know, for us, we'd be like, man, it'd be great to have a relationship with God. God's like, no, 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 no. I want to have a relationship with you. And that would bring me great pleasure. In this new relationship with God, we, we want to strive to connect with him, our, our Heavenly Father. But the question is, how do we do this? Because don't you ever feel, do you ever have those moments where you feel like, is God listening or am I, am I connecting with him? You know, just like when you're driving and, or you're on the phone with somebody and they're driving and you're talking to them and then it sort of cuts in and out. You're like, what did they just say? You hear every other word or you, you just sort of drop them for like two sentences and you're like, uh, um, yeah, that's great. I have no idea what they said. I hope it was great, right? It's so frustrating when you have those kind of poor communication lines on the phone. Sometimes I think, I feel that way with God. It's like, I think I know what he's saying, but I'm not quite sure. Let's be clear. God wants to communicate with us. He wants to communicate with us. Trust me, God has more to say to you than we do to him. We read in the Bible that God would use this audible voice when he talked to people. He walked with Adam and Eve, and he talked with them, and they heard his voice. He talked to Abraham, he heard his voice. He talked to Moses through a burning bush. Wouldn't that be incredible? But they heard the prophets. They heard the voice of God. But then we get to the end of the Old Testament, and there's like this break for like a few hundred years, and it's like God's quiet. God's silent, right? Nobody's writing anything. Nobody's saying anything. God's not saying anything. Then we get to the New Testament, and we read that what? The Word, God, became flesh. God began to speak to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, then he looks at his disciples and he says, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going up to heaven, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And so today God communicates through his Holy Spirit. He communicates through a flurry of different ways, whether it's creation or whether it's uh, circumstances in life or other people or supernatural uh, means. He communicates to us because he wants to have a strong and intimate relationship with us. He doesn't want our relationship to drift. We all know what that means, right? When you stop talking to certain people, your relationship just sort of drifts. And it's like, it's no good anymore, right? You are not just a number to God. You are his adopted child. And he wants a relationship. He doesn't want you just on Sundays. He wants full custody. He wants that incredible, intimate relationship with you and I. And he invites us. He invites us. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, Knock, and the door will be opened to you. If any man hears my voice, I will open the door. I will come to them, and I will sup with you. I will eat with you. I will dine with you, right? See, our, our rage, our, our, sorry, our race, our income, our, our uh, education, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. He wants to meet with you. We all need to sit down and spend time with God, don't we? 
I mean, wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, if you had the opportunity to sit down with him, wouldn't you want to do that? He knows our struggles. He knows our needs. He knows what you're dealing with. Listen, he knows your tomorrows. Wouldn't you want to sit with the one who knows everything about you and could help you? Think about this. Um, often it's like I hear people say it. I've, I've said it too. I know I have. Man, wouldn't it be great just to go back and walk with Jesus? Just to like, hey, Jesus. You know, to be one of the disciples and to ask him questions. And we're like, that'd be so fun, right? But I think about this. We, we don't have that privilege. So how do we know God better? How do we grow in our relationship? How do we find the, the peace and the hope and the answers that we need for today? I sort of already hinted at this. In the book of John chapter 14, you can turn there if you want. Jesus said, I want to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 16, it says, Jesus said this, I'll ask the Father and I'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. And later he will be in you. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's like, he's, gonna, he's with you now. That's him, Jesus. And he's going to be with you later. That's the Holy Spirit. That's his promise to all believers. Before he ascended into heaven, he basically said, guys, I'm not going to walk with you anymore. But my Holy Spirit will be with you 24-7. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a better deal than the previous one. And you're thinking, how so? Basically, God's Holy Spirit was going to be in us, guiding us, directing us, giving us peace, hope, and love that we need for today. His Spirit is with us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. What's the truth? We often ask that question today, right? A lot of things float around there. It's like, I wish I knew it was true anymore. Here's the truth. The good news that God saves you. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Remember what he promised long ago? Okay, here it comes. And he's mentioned it. Now this time the Apostle Paul's mentioned it. He said, hey, you know, if you believe in Jesus Christ, God gives you his spirit. He identifies you. And then there's another word there means sealed. He has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. Give you an idea of sort of what this means. I read this story by Max Lucado. Pastor Max Lucado has written a lot of books. Some of you maybe have read his books or heard his podcasts or his sermons. Um, he shared this story about when he was a little boy. He said his, his parents and his grandparents would set up a time where he would spend a week with his grandparents. So basically, at 10 years old, just a kid, the plan was really simple. His mom and dad would drive him to the bus station. They would buy a ticket for him, put him on the bus. It would be a three-hour journey. His grandparents would drive to the other closest bus station where they lived, and they would pick him up. Now, he said this, My job was stated by my mother multiple times. Plant yourself in the seat of that bus. Do not get off at any stop along the way unless you have to use the bathroom. If you do, do your business. Talk to nobody. Get back on board. Period. All right, Mom, right? Well, she had reason to worry, didn't she? The road's a dangerous place. Kids get lost. Kids get snatched. Kids can be rebellious, right? Despite that danger, his parents still took him to the bus station at age 10 
to put him on a bus and be by himself. I don't know how many of you parents would put your 10-year-old on a bus to ship him away three hours. Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, no way, right? Before he got on, his dad took a note with some cash, put it together, put it in his, in his pocket, his shirt pocket. He said, go buy some candy and gave him a hug. Mom looked him in the eyes, gave him a kiss and said, off you go. So off he went, he got onto the bus. He watched the uh, West Texas cotton fields blur past the window as he rode. They said he, he said he made some major stops along the way, but he never got off the bus. He waited till he saw his grandma, then he got off the bus. While he was sitting there, though, he had to peek and see what dad gave him in his shirt pocket. So he pulled out just a few miles into the trip. There was some money, but then a slip of paper. And on a slip of paper, it said this. This boy belongs to Jack and Thelma Lucado. It contained his home address and phone number, whatever might, else might need to be needed. In any unlikely event that he was separated from the bus, the message was there that he hoped would reconnect him to his family. Max Lucado went on to say, for those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, look inside the shirt pocket of your spiritual life. There's a note inside here that says, this child is mine, and it's signed by God. We all need that protection today, don't we? The journey of life is a very dangerous journey. We get lost. We can be rebellious at times. The evil one surely loves to lure us away from God, doesn't he? But we know this. God's basically telling the devil, keep your hands off. This one belongs to me. The good news is that we believe we now know our place in the family of God. God seals us at that moment of belief. When we look at Ephesians chapter 1 here, verse 13, and you see that word identified, that word is sealed. Sealed's like opening up a jar of pickles or canned goods. You open up that jar, but you seal it tight. Maybe you've got an, an envelope with a letter in it. You want to get somewhere. You lick it and you seal it shut so the contents don't fall out. If you're signing a document, maybe, you, it is sealed with your official document, notarizing it, making it official and that it's protected. So basically, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he is identifying us as his own, guaranteeing us that we are saved until the day of redemption. We are sealed. We are protected. It's important that you understand that truth about your relationship in the family of God. According to the Bible, God has this book of life, and our name is placed in. When we place our faith in him, our name goes in this book, and it is not written in pencil, and he does not hover over it with a big eraser waiting for you to mess up. He is not a mean God, a cruel master who demands perfections and promises pain. He's a good father, and he's recorded your name in the book of life. You're adopted into his family. He loves you. He loves you enough that he's not going to let you go. And that same Holy Spirit that seals that relationship helps us communicate with God. He helps us understand God's word. God's word is another way he communicates with us because here's the thing. We want to build this relationship with God. First of all, understand that when you're a part of the family, the Holy Spirit seals you. The Holy Spirit helps you communicate with God. The Holy Spirit also directs us when we open up God's word. If you're new to this church, you need to know this about our church. We have a statement of belief here. And that is this. We believe the Bible is to be the, is the only inspired, trustworthy, and true 
without error, word of God. That's what we believe about the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture. It's useful to teach us what is true, what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip the people to do every good work. If you want to know, you look out in the world today, you say, this is going on in this world today. There's this issue. There's that issue. Where's the church stand? I stand on this. That God's word is without error. If God's word speaks to that cultural thing, then I believe God's word. Oh, but you're not going to fit in with the rest of the culture. You're going to make some people upset. I would rather upset you than upset my God. We believe that God's word is a holy word of God without error. That's what we believe. And God's spirit speaks through his word. As, excuse me, as a Christian, it's how we hear from God. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. It's hard to understand at times, isn't it? Because some of you are like, okay, yeah, we're all over it. It's true, it's, it's good, but boy, there's some parts in it that are confusing, right? And then there's some things in it that just don't make sense at times. I fully understand. I take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. Listen to what God has to say about this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God's prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine what God's prepared for us, right? But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches our everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Verse 11 goes on to say, No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we've received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Did you hear that? We've got God's spirit, and God's spirit helps us understand the thoughts of God. Verse 13 says, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. That's why, church, listen, that's why when sometimes you speak God's Word, some people are, I have no idea what you're saying. You want to know why? Because they're not spiritual. If they've not received Christ in their life, maybe they can't fully understand what's being said because they've not yet been given a spirit. But people, verse 14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Verse 15. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? Look at this last sentence. But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, we know what is wise, what is true, what is good for us. We can understand what Jesus thinks because we have his spirit in us. He's available to us 24-7. His spirit's in us. Helps us understand God's word. I don't know if you've ever been reading maybe your quiet time. You're reading a verse and all of a sudden that verse is like, it just pops. And it's like, wow. How many times have I read this before and it never made sense, but today it does. In one of my Bibles at home, it's one I use every morning. I'll, at the end of the chapter, I'll write like 10-6 for October 6th. And, and then, you know, whatever year it is, 
That way, as I keep reading through the Bible over and over and backwards, forwards, you know, and it's like, oh, I read this, whatever date, you know. And I look at a scripture that maybe I've read like eight, nine times, but this time it made sense. Why is that? It's because it's the way the Spirit works. It brought alive scripture that maybe I've just never seen before. God's Spirit speaks to us, works to us. That's how we communicate with God. That's how we grow in our relationship with Him. Think about this again. We've got something that the disciples did not have at first. When they walked with Jesus, that was great. But guess what? Hey, Jesus is like, I'm going to sit at the well. You guys go into town. Guess what? Jesus is over there. I'm over here. There's departure. When Jesus said, I'm going to go up to the mountain to pray. You guys get in the boat and go across the lake. There was departure. There was distance. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit does not leave. No distance. Today, we have the Spirit of Jesus all the time. He doesn't leave you. Sometimes, you know, we may feel distant. I get that. Maybe that's because we lack the passion or the, the desire to, to know him. A lot of Christians today, they don't know God's word. They don't know the stories. Noah, who is that? Well, I saw a movie on TV one about this guy with an ark or something, right? How much time do we spend in God's word? When you compare it to everything else we do in life, where does that compare to being in God's word? Here's the third way that we communicate with God and grow our relationship with him, and that's prayer prayer. For some of you, prayer is uh, challenging for me. Uh, it's been convicting over the last year to sharpen my prayer life. Uh, I, I've tried to get better at praying. Um, I've, I've gotten to the point now, like I've worked on the names of God and working on the names of Jesus, and then picturing this as a face-to-face -face moment with him, understanding who he is as I pray, and not just, I'm just going to pray. When we pray, we leave everything behind. We narrow our focus on who God is. And you start your prayers that way with knowing who you're talking to. And I've, I'm convicted of this because sometimes as I pray, it's like, oh, I got this to do. But prayer, oh, God won't mind if I pause, write down something because I'll forget it if I don't write it down, right? And it's like I, I get convicted of that because uh, I feel it's just not right. But yet I, I, I do it. And then here's the other thing I've been convicted of, corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is when you pray in front of a large group. More, most recently, this has my, been my conviction. Um, Brian, could you come up here, please? I was thinking about this. When, when I go to pray to God corporately with a large group, it's like myself and all of you, so for this moment, it's like Brian and I, we are, we're all going to go talk to God, but I'm just going to be the spokesperson, okay? So we're going to come over here to Joel. But let's say in, in real life, we're going to have a conversation. So I bring Brian over. We're going to have this conversation. But while we're having this conversation, Brian decides to go check his phone, maybe write something down, uh, wander off. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, Joel. We were having this conversation. He's just not interested in hearing what we have to say right now. And I sort of picturing that, like, when we pray to God corporately, I might be the spokesperson for you when I pray from, from the pulpit, but we're all in conversation with God. And thanks, Brian, you can have a seat. Does that make sense? And I was thinking, like, sometimes, <laughs> some of you are going to be very aware of this now. It's like, oh, the pastor's praying. I can get up and go now. We do that, don't we? I've done that. It's like, oh, we're praying. I can go ahead and come on forward and come into the front row because it's, it's prayer. And everybody's got their head closed. It's like, it's my time to, you know, you like open your eyes. Oh, they appeared. How did that happen? I, I don't know. But it's like, it's like we use prayer as that moment to, like, excuse ourselves because, well, they're praying and everybody else, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. That's the part I'm being convicted of right now is that 
if somebody else is going to lead us in a time of prayer, I just need to, I'm there in the room with, with God in the conversation. And for me to get up and do something else or to like, oh, they're praying, I can do something else. It's like rude and disrespectful if I was doing that with another person. How does that fit with me and God? That's what I've been convicted of lately in my, in my prayer life. It's direct communication with God. And as we, as we talk to God, you know, he wants to talk to us. How can he talk to us if I'm wandering off of my thoughts somewhere? And so I want to just give you some simple tips on praying. Um, before I do, I, I, I've got to mention the scripture. Um, I, I was praying about this, like John chapter 10. I, it might be in your reading this week. John chapter 10, verses 3 to 4, or 1 to 4. Um, as I was pre- preparing this, I was like, God, should I mention this in the sermon? And so I want to be obedient here because uh, the very, that, like an hour or two later, I was at this retreat uh, with another pastor, and, and he said, would you guys open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 10? And I'm going, whoa. I want to look at verses one through four. I'm going, whoa. And it's like, God's like, yeah, this is my affirmation. This is how I speak to you. I'm affirming what we've been talking about earlier in prayer. So what I want to read this to you is focusing really on verses three and four, where it says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he was gathered, after he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. They follow him because they know his voice. Now, this is John chapter 10 where Jesus talked about we are the sheep and he's the shepherd. And, and I was looking at verse 3 where it says the sheep recognize his voice. That's us, sheep. Question, do I recognize his voice? Verse 4, after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because... They know his voice. See, when you're in your relationship with somebody, you know their voice. When you hear them on the phone, it's like, oh, I know who this is. You ever pick up a phone, like, I have no idea who this is. I don't recognize their voice, right? Do you recognize the voice of God? You, you know who, whose fault it is if you don't recognize the voice of God? Yours. It's my own fault if I don't recognize the voice of my shepherd. That must mean I'm at the back of the sheep pen, hanging out with the other sheep, playing cards or something. God's talking, the shepherd's over there. I don't recognize his voice because I'm distracted over here at the back of the pen. Or there's something going on that I have not decided to position myself closer to the shepherd so I can hear his voice and recognize his voice. So when the shepherd talks, I know him. I know his voice. I'm willing to follow because I know that voice. Communication with God through his spirit, through his word, through prayer. How are you knowing God? How are you recognizing his voice? Um, let's close with this. Some, just some simple tips on praying, okay? One, privately if possible. Obviously, corporately we can pray together, but make sure you have a personal, quiet prayer time. Find a place where you won't be erupted, silence the noise, turn off TV phones, whatever it might be. Regularly, if possible, just like you're disciplined, I'm going to eat at this time, I'm going to work out at this time, or I, I go to work at this time. Have discipline in when you pray as well, if possible. Of course, God's word says, pray without ceasing. So you can pray anytime. Uh, but I think a, a regular time is, is always good to set. Uh, genuinely. Now, you're not praying to impress anybody. So if you do pray with a large group of people, or you pray with your family, or you pray for them, you don't have to use big words. You don't have to try to impress someone. So it's like, well, they prayed for that. I'm going to pray for this. And like, when somebody else is praying, you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, but they didn't mention this. I'll mention that. Did you ever do that before? I have. I've been in prayer groups, and I'm, there's somebody's praying. It's like, well, they didn't mention that. I'll pray, I'll pray for that one. It's like, really? Oh, my sinful self. It's just the way we are, right? 
Have a method. This is not a must, but it might help. A journal. Write your prayers out. You can use the ACTS method, which is adore, confess, thanksgiving, or supplication, which is asking for your needs. Uh, in the Rooted, they use a different thing. It's on the screen there. Praise, repent, um, praise again, then ask and yield. Worship team, would you come forward, please? This morning, as, as we continue to dig in our, our roots deep, we got to communicate with God. If you want to grow in your relationship, communication is huge. When I do uh, marital counseling, uh, there are four sessions. One of the sessions is communication. It's that important in a relationship. It shouldn't be important in our relationship with God. I'm going to uh, invite you to something. Just being announced. Actually, we announced it about an hour ago, but um, it's not been put on social media. It's not been sent an email to you yet. It probably will be as a reminder. But I want to invite you to something. This coming Saturday, this next Saturday, October 14th, I'm inviting you all to come back here at 9 a.m. to pray. Now, some of you have ball games and tournaments. Uh, maybe you have a festival you're going to. You already got plans. That's fine. Go, okay? This is like, I won't go to heaven if I don't show up. No, listen. This is, this is just an optional thing. If you have nothing on your calendar, I want to invite you to come next Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to pray as a church. There might be 10 of us. There might be 100 of us. I don't know. I'm asking you to, as a church, if prayer is important, then let's make it a priority. Uh, I would love to come together as a church and pray. I'll have an outline for how we're going to pray together, and then you're going to go pray silently by yourself, and we'll come back and pray again. So from 9 to 10, uh, I invite you to come and pray. Would you stand, please? I pray that during this next week, our communication with God gets better, and our roots just deepen in Him as we open up his word, as his Holy Spirit speaks to us, and as we pray. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment in which we've had to worship you in song, to take communion, to open up your word, and, and to be reminded of your Holy Spirit and how it works, to be reminded, Lord, that we need to communicate with you to deepen our relationship with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've had to worship you. I pray now, Lord, that as we leave this place, that you continue to speak to us and that we recognize your voice. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being an incredible God that loves us and adopts us into your family. In your precious name we pray. Amen.